Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Fireside Outdoors. Thanks for listening today. This is going to be episode number two. I've got a few topics. We're going to see what's going on in Oklahoma. There's some interesting stuff happening in Oklahoma right now. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Peregrine Falcon of Missouri. What's going on with that? Because um, any time that a a species gets to succeed and be removed from an endangered species list, that means conservation is going in the right direction. Um, If you're a nature lover, you'll understand what I'm talking about with the Peregrine Falcons. We're also going to dive into what the Keystone Pipeline is all about. There's a lot of political pressure both for and against the Keystone Pipeline. I'm going to dig into just a little bit what it's about, what its purpose is, where it already exists, and then I want to get some feedback from you all too. So I want to thank you for listening today. Um, Please join me right after this sponsor. All right, thanks for continuing to listen with me. First up, what's going on in Oklahoma? If you're a Bigfoot fan, you're probably, well, you may not like this, but here's what's going on in Oklahoma, okay? I've looked up a couple different um, readings about what the Oklahoma lawmaker proposed on a Bigfoot hunting season. This guy's, his name is Representative Justin Humphrey. And in his district, it represents the Washita Mountains. And if you want to look at the state of Oklahoma, you want to go down into the southeast corner that butts up against Arkansas. And that's called the Washita Mountains. There's actually a Washita National Forest. The U.S. Forest Service maintains that property. And it's one of the key places on Bigfoot sightings. Now, whether you believe in Bigfoot or not, it doesn't take away the fact that this guy wants to have a hunting season for Bigfoot. And as absurd as sometimes it can sound, his purpose is actually pretty genuine. He wants to bring in some revenue, some economy, um, increase the economy, spending, and tourism in his area. And by doing that, he says he's going to establish an actual hunting season and issue licenses for people who want to hunt the Bigfoot. And it's just going to draw more people to our already beautiful part of our state. And that's quoting him. Humphrey told that in a statement. I'm at APnews.com. If you want to look that up, I'm also going to jump over to Fox News and read just a little bit about that. But uh, if you're not sure what Bigfoot is, I'm sure you are. But it's a mythical ape-like creature that has captured the interest of millions of people across the world, in fact. And, uh, And my daughter included. Avery loves to listen about Bigfoot. And we've even watched some National Geographic shows about Bigfoot. And I love the idea of this creature wandering around in the woods that is similar to an ape and a human, but do I really want one around? Yeah, probably not. Okay, so Humphrey says his bill would not only allow trapping, um, but that he hopes that um, securing a $25,000 bounty um, if if somebody catches that thing alive. So the hunting season is quote-unquote actually a trapping season. They want to keep Bigfoot alive, I guess for scientific studies or, or whatever. Um, Mike Holmes, he's a spokesman for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, and, of course, they're the, they're the agency that oversees the hunting in Oklahoma. He says that the agency uses science-driven, science-based data, and that doesn't support the existence of Bigfoot. But like I said, this area of the Washita Mountains, people recognize that Bigfoot could actually exist, and there's many stories about the Blue Man, um, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Giant Ape, whatever you want to call him, but that comes out of this area. 
Now keep in mind, there are shows like Hunting for Bigfoot um, that, that are still on the, on the TV today, on cable or, or dish, whatever you want to call it. And people are out there, quote unquote, hunting for him, but trying to find um, evidence that he exists. And so it, it's pretty intriguing, but it's funny that this uh, representative wants to take his time, I guess, supporting his constituents by trying to get a Bigfoot season. Um, I'm just not sure that's a good use of your time. If I jump over to foxnews.com, even they picked up on the story. And then once again, they say that uh, Fox News reports that Justin Humphrey, a Republican, a representative, um, introduces House Bill 1648, 1648, urging the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to establish a Bigfoot hunting season. Okay? You can't make this stuff up, guys. It is a real bill, says Mike Holmes the um, Chief Information Education Division. He tells Fox News um, that... uh, I'm sorry, Humphrey tells Fox News that since the bill broke, since he announced it and presented it, I guess, to um, his his peers, he's been flooded with calls and messages from people that both support and don't support the bill. Go figure, right? I can't believe this guy's actually chasing this rabbit but anyway i think his his motives are good but he probably should have done a little bit more research on whether his constituents really want him to waste his time on such a bill so out of oklahoma it could be soon one of these days we get to go hunt bigfoot and uh, i guess buy a bigfoot hunting permit Um, anyway so that's in oklahoma hopefully missouri and arkansas don't follow suit i would suspect that we probably wouldn't um, now, on to peregrine falcons. If you're a birder or you're just a nature lover whatsoever, peregrine fra- falcons have really taken, um, I'm sorry, conservation agencies have taken peregrine falcons um, from the endangered lift. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, folks. I got all tongue-tied. Conservation agencies have taken the peregrine falcon from the endangered species list and are moving them off of that so they're no longer endangered. What that means basically is the population is starting to recover enough that they believe that they're not endangered of going extinct or or even be threatened at that point. In the early four, and I'm sorry, in the late 40s and early 60s, um, the high use of DDT, the pesticide that has been a big topic over the years. Um, caused the eggs, the the shells of the eggs to break down. So basically nesting success was not possible. And uh, in 1999, uh, the birds were removed from the federally endangered species list due to intensive restoration efforts across the nation. But Missouri, we kept them on the endangered species list, okay? And we kept doing conservation work. Joe DeBold, a falcon expert with the Missouri Department of Conservation, He says that delisting is warranted because of the population and distribution of peregrine falcons in the state. If you can remember back, um, the Missouri Department of Conservation, in um, conjunction with a couple of our state universities, had nesting sites on top of buildings at at a university. Also had nesting sites on billboards and in places where um, the, the falcons could be up high and be protected. And so there were cameras. And we actually got to watch, if you were paying attention or got to got to watch it enough, you got to see young hatchlings come out of the egg and then mama raised them. Mom and daddy both raised them. And so it was pretty neat. Got a lot of um, 
good comments about that, very little negative comments. And so peregrine falcons are no longer on the endangered species list in the state of Missouri. So that's a win for conservation. And what that means for you, maybe you don't care about peregrine falcons, okay? But every species that we can bring off of the endangered species list means that wildlife management habitats and things like that are, are, are on the upswing. We're doing a good job. And I want to give a huge shout out to the agency for um, doing their best. It doesn't just include our natural resource agency. It includes even federal ones too. So everybody's doing a great job of working together. And once again, I'm going to take a break for our sponsorship. Uh, stay tuned right after this. Welcome back. And now to the biggest topic of all, even something that I've had to get caught up on because I just didn't pay attention enough to it from the get-go. You know that President Trump, when he was in office, he felt like a very important way to secure jobs in the United States was to work on the Keystone XL pipeline. A huge topic of conversation because just recently, in the first few days of administration, Joe Biden was able to shut that down through executive action, okay? And so what that means is he can override the rules of Congress and basically, as president, say that the Keystone Pipeline needs to shut down, at least temporarily, until some uh, decisions are made on what the effects are going to be on the environment, okay? Just for a point of reference, I've went to the Natural Resources Defense Council. Now I'm a natural resources guy. I believe in conserving, but maintaining and, um, and doing management on our federal and state properties in order to make them better for wildlife. Okay. Wildlife to me is one of the, the, um, the main focuses of what natural resources should be about, but it's also about water and it's just about habitat in general, food sources, and, um, of course the forest and even the desert and, and those types of things. But but in 1970, this group, the Natural Resources Defense Council, was founded, and they basically lead the way in trying to decide whether things are healthy for the environment or not, okay? And so that's where I'm at. That's where I'm trying to learn a little bit about what's going on on the Keystone XL pipeline. So what is the pipeline? The pipeline runs from um, Canada. It runs through... Uh, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, runs down through Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, and runs down into Texas, also runs over into Illinois. And so the idea is to take oil products, crude oil products, from the ground underneath the boreal forest up in Canada and move that down into the refineries that are along the Gulf Coast. has a couple stops along the way, and there are processes that have to go through, but that's the gist of it. The issue is that it's going to run across a lot of clear streams. It's going to run underground in some places. It's going to be on top of the ground in other places. And the issue that we're talking about is going to be uh, tar sands oil. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is tar sands oil? Well, tar sands is a mixture of mostly sand and clay with water. And it's got a molasses-like substance called bitumen. B-I-T-U-M-E-N. And it's made of a lot of hydrocarbons, the same molecules we find in liquid oil. So basically, it's like a, a muddy or nasty crude oil. 
Okay, it's got a lot of just a mess. And I can imagine that it's probably really hard to refine because it takes a lot of processing in order to get that oil out. Okay, but this same product is used just like maybe even a clean crude oil, if we can consider it clean. But it's used to create gasoline and other petroleum products. Okay, so we've got crude oils that, um, that are cleaner, much more efficient. Then we have this tar sands. Here's the issue. There's a bunch of the tar sands sitting underground up in Canada. That's where the Keystone Pipeline comes in. And I'm going to scroll down through here just to kind of give you a little bit of a, an idea. Um, there's about 3 million miles of oil and gas pipelines already run through our country. Okay. The Keystone XL wouldn't be your average pipeline. It's a tar sand oil and it's not your, it's not your average crude oil. Okay. And so there's lots of pictures on this website about the beautiful landscape that they're going to be running it across. And even the map shows that it comes out of Alberta. Um, currently, already in existence is a pipeline that comes out of Hardesty, Alberta, runs across Saskatchewan into Manitoba, down North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, into Texas, and then shoots over across Missouri and into Illinois. Now, I can remember when the pipeline was put in Missouri. It basically runs across Interstate 70 or, or there close um, from Kansas City over to the St. Louis area. So it gives you an idea of where it's currently at. The idea that they're wanting to do now, though, they're wanting to do the Keystone XL pipeline project, which would run from Alberta across Saskatchewan, just a small corner, hit Montana down into South Dakota, and then follow on back down to Texas. Okay. Remember, this is extremely inefficient crude oil, but there is a ton of it up in Canada. What's that going to do for the environment? Okay. Not only that, what's it going to do for the economy? Currently, we experienced the lowest gas prices in um, probably 10 years. And I hate to even say that because I can't be specific. But anyway, I can remember in 2008 paying four bucks a gallon. Okay. And so right now, it's uh, I think it was $2.12 per gallon on unleaded fuel today on January 25th. And I would expect that we're probably going to start going back up to $4 because this pipeline is shut down. Now, that's not the only reason, but it is a possibility that gas prices are going to go up. But the environmentalist side of me says, okay, but at what cost is cheap gas prices to the environment? And I can tell you just a little bit about what tar sands oil does. Number one, it, it costs more carbon in order to process the product. Okay, that's one of the, the key points here. Now, remember, this website is going to be against that type of activity because these guys want to do what's best for the environment. I also want to do what's best for the environment, but I want to learn about it. I want to figure out what's going on. Um, what's tar sands oil? What's the, what's the whole point of the whole project? Well, it's to get, um, I got to find where it says the millions of gallons. Um, here we go. Um, by allowing this Keystone Pipeline to process the fuel, uh, the crude oil out of the ground, it's going to increase the capacity um, to 168 billion barrels of crude oil that's locked up under Canada's forests. That's 830,000 barrels of tar sands oil per day, shipping it down to the Gulf Coast oil refineries. Okay, so that increases the supply of oil domestically. 
because it's in it's it's in the domestic area of the United States, right? Um, and we wouldn't have to import that from other countries, which costs a lot. That's why that's why gas prices go up is mostly the transportation of the product from one country to another. This this kind of eliminates that importation problem. Now, what Trump did is Trump allowed these permits to go through in order to keep the pipeline going. Okay, and basically what Biden says is those permits are no good. So now the companies that were operating trying to build this pipeline can't build that pipeline anymore, at least until things are are, are determined to, whether it's safe or, or whatever for the environment. What I've been reading on a couple different websites here is that the tar sands oil is extremely hard to process. Like I said, it costs more carbon to create. And then on top of that, it is extremely corrosive. And so over three times the number of spills occur. And the, and the, I'm sorry, the spills are over three times um, worse than with normal crude oil operations. And so because the high toxicity of and corrosiveness of the tar sands oil, then uh, spills are more likely to happen, um, rusting through pipes and, and uh, corrosion happens to the pipeline. And so uh, you can imagine that that's pretty detrimental to the area. They say it also takes almost twice as much time and effort to clean up those messes because the, um, the tar sands oil drops immediately down to the bottom because it's heavy with those clays and those sands. It's, it drops immediately down to the bottom of the water um, the water table. So it's hard to get um, get cleaned up, I guess. And so on that, I've got to do more research on what the Keystone Pipeline, what that means to the jobs in the United States and, and how that's going to affect our economy. You know, I can, I can, I just, without giving you my political view, um, I can see why this would be detrimental to the environment. Um, but I also know that my gas prices are going to go up and that's going to cost me more money at the pump. And I'm not really okay with that. So maybe there's an alternative. Maybe there's a way we can figure out how to make it work. And hopefully you guys can send me some comments, uh, contact at baldridgeoutdoors.com. That's B-A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E outdoors.com. Contact at baldridgeoutdoors.com. Send me some comments, some thoughts, and maybe we can figure out how to proceed Every episode, I want to bring you a product that I use, that I have found useful, because that's the whole purpose of this, is to get our ideas out there, to learn a little bit about the environment, to get outside, figure out what's going on politically and environmentally, and let's learn together, and let's make a positive impact for our uh, for our environment, for our country. Um, one product that I like to use here is a Cyclops Magnetic Folding Utility Light. And if you can imagine, this uh, utility light has a folding um, handle with a clip on it. It also has a magnet on it. And this light can be used for any kind of projects that you have around the house. I love the thing because of the magnet, number one. But the clip also can be clipped um, to like a, uh, a tabletop, um, a piece of your car if you're working on the engine of your car or even underneath. It can... Uh, course stick to the magnet of course can stick to any metal products and what's really nice is it's an led flashlight it it can rotate up to 180 degrees and it's got a heavy duty clip on it um the three watt led is about 100 lumens or so um this one actually runs at 180 lumens though okay powered by three triple a batteries 
the Cyclops Magnetic Folding Utility Light. I've got one in my shop that I use. I've given them out to friends and family for Christmas and birthdays. And I also sell them um, through, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Baldridge Outdoors also sells them through their website, um, www.baldridgeoutdoors.com. Check them out. They've got them for sale. I think they're like $10 or something. But the Cyclops Magnetic Folding Utility Light um, also has a hook on it. You can hook it on stuff. So until next time, folks, I want to thank you for joining me. Please send comments, questions, whatever you have. If you have a topic you want discussed, we're going to be coming up on trout season soon. I have an idea for a topic about that involves trout fishing and one of our local people that's really good at um, and, and enjoys going to the trout parks. So stay tuned. I will see you next week at Fireside Outdoors. Thanks for joining and the adventure begins.